This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. Hey there, you're listening to Voices of Your Village, episode number 15. When it comes to these tiny humans, there's so much to know. There are so many books to read and so many products and so many opinions, whether you want them or not. And I've been getting a lot of questions about the early days, so I reached out to Nina Spears. You might know her as The Baby Chick. She is a birth and postpartum doula who served over 100 families in in her career and is also a mom herself. We went over all things to know and be prepared for and from products to just mental preparation and really what what it can look like, what her process looks like as she works with clients, prepares them for what's to come, Uh, what her journey has looked like as a mom and things that she loves and cannot live without as well as things that you don't really need. So there was even a dose of of real parenthood in here where her little dude woke up earlier than we had hoped or planned for from a nap, and she was solo parenting. So we hit pause and jumped back on. Uh, There's also a couple dings that you'll hear kind of like throughout. She's getting um, text messages to her computer, and I am not tech savvy and did not know how to help her turn them off. So bear with us through those. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass-Campbell. Do you feel overwhelmed trying to respond to your tiny human's giant meltdowns? Do you have questions about their current developmental stage or how to build their emotional intelligence? Do you find yourself giving in to tantrums because you just don't know what else to do in those moments? Are you yearning for tools to keep your cool through those big emotional meltdowns of your toddler, your preschooler? Are those infant cries just piercing your heart? You are not alone. In fact, so many parents were feeling the same way and reaching out to me that I created a group just for you. Tiny Humans Big Emotions was designed as a virtual support group so that folks from all over the world can come together in small group form and hang out virtually while I talk you through emotional development, where to go with these tantrums, how to be prepared for them, how to respond in a way that builds emotional development and doesn't leave you wanting a glass of wine by 5 p.m. Head on over to tinyhumansbigemotions.com to join the group right now. You don't want to miss this opportunity. I only run these groups a couple times a year and now is the time. Sign up is closing soon, so head over today to jump into these groups with us. Hey everyone, today is such a special episode. I'm here with Nina Spears, or as you may know her, the baby chick. Hey Nina. 
Hey, Alyssa. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here today. Can you start us off with a bit about who you are? Of course, yes. So as you said, my name is Nina Spears. I am a wife, a mom, and a birth worker. And I have been helping expecting a new moms since, gosh, 2010, but started my own business in 2011. So the past, yes, yeah, seven years, I've helped over 500 moms uh, during every stage of pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. So it's been a lot of fun. It's amazing. Um, so when you started, you didn't have your own business. Were you, was that like part of like you getting certified and all that jazz? How did it begin? Yeah, it began... Gosh, it, it began first uh, realizing what I didn't want. I was working after college. I had a job and realizing that this just was not for me. I definitely knew that the type of person that I am, I like to help others and serve others. So being in sales, it was fine and good, but just wasn't my calling. And so I decided to kind of see what else is out there. And I knew that I was interested in kids and babies. And I was like, okay, what can I do with that? So I started working at like a mom and baby boutique and, and, you know, discovered through all of that, that gosh, moms sometimes, especially the first time have no clue what they're doing or what they need or who they should talk to or any of the things. And yeah, that's when I decided I should be a baby planner, which is someone who helps moms during their pregnancy really help them plan out what they want their the rest of their pregnancy to be like, how they envision their birth going, what their plan is after having baby. It's basically like a wedding planner is for an engaged person. A baby planner is for an expecting mom. That is the dream. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, I think it's so true. I think we, we do, there are certain things in life that we celebrate and we put so much into and having a baby isn't always one of them we might put into put time into like the nursery and things like that but um the people might not be planning as much for what's pregnancy going to look like or birth or postpartum so talk me through this like how do you how do you support families what does that look like gosh you're well what you just said is hitting it right on the head. A lot of women will think about, oh, what stuff do I need? What this and that? And then they start thinking about the birth and then they start freaking out about that. But I really feel like something that women don't think about as much as they should is what life is going to be like after the baby is born. Because birth is only a day, maybe two you know, it's, it's, it's a shorter process compared to what motherhood is going to be like. And when you bring that baby home and you're just looking at that baby and you're like, oh my God, now what? Uh, that is the thing when you should start thinking about, okay, do I have proper breastfeeding support? Do I have um, a plan for sleep? Am I going to be co-sleeping? Is it go, is the baby going straight to the crib? Am I, you know, just all the different things that women should really be thinking about and what they're offering options are. So yeah, when someone contacts me, I help them think of those things that they may not be thinking about. Of course, I help them with the little things as well. Like what should you register for? How, how do you want your baby shower to look? <laughs> those fun things and your nursery design. But really my main thing is taking care of the mother, letting her realize that there are things that are past that superficial stuff that she really needs to think about for herself, for her own health, for her own memories of what the rest of her pregnancy will be like, especially at the end of pregnancy, it can be so uncomfortable. So coming up with a plan on better sleep positions, how to stay comfortable if you're having maybe uh, pubic pain or um, lower back pain, uh, all of those different things and how she wants to best prepare for her birth because birth is not something that should just be entered into lightly. You should really understand what your options are throughout the process. So then that way, if something happens that doesn't go according to your plan, you know what is available to you and what is best for, for you and your child. And then postpartum, like I said, really thinking about, do I want to breastfeed or do I want to bottle feed? Uh, how, where are we going to sleep? How, how am I going to take care of the house and laundry and cooking and all of those things? 
when women should really start thinking about a postpartum plan and not just a birth plan. Um, so, so yeah, I really start asking women questions that they don't really think of and help them through that process to help them discover what is the best decision for them. Because a lot of people will say, oh, this is the right answer. And that is not who I am. I believe that there is not just one way to be a great mom. There's a million different ways and you have to find what works best for you. And I'm not there to judge on any decisions that are being made. I am there to provide the options that are available and for them, for me to help them discover what is the best option for them, their lifestyle, their budget, et cetera. I love that. I think that what you do is clearly so important, but also just this idea of like, options, right? That like, we know what our moms did or what our sisters have done or our friends have done. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's what's best for us. And I love that that's so core to who you are. Absolutely. Because you will hear from everyone under the sun when it comes to pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, everyone's going to give you their opinion on how you should be doing things. And it's just not necessarily maybe the right choice for you and that's okay. So finding support where, you know, you can decide what is the best option for you and your baby is, is what every mother really needs. It's amazing. I love that. Um, and the type A part of me is just like, yes, a plan. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I had a, a friend reach out recently who um, was had listened to an episode that I did earlier about co-sleeping and said, I didn't even know co-sleeping was a choice. Right. And it just kind of blew my mind for a minute because I was like, whoa, like this is something that I mean, I've been a sleep consultant now for, for almost five years. And so for me, it was like, well, yeah, co-sleeping, like that was just another word that like, <laughs> yeah, of course. And um, I, I, it hadn't dawned on me that like, some folks haven't been exposed to this choice. And so how do you present different choices to folks, both in pregnancy for birth options for postpartum? And how do you like help them kind of figure out what is best for them if they've never been there before? Yeah. So whenever I meet with someone for the first time, I ask them, what are the things that are the most important to them? And Usually sleep is right up there. <laughs> Usually it's sleep and breastfeeding that women are like, okay, I want more information about this. And so that's when I list out, okay, these are all of the different options that are available to you. Now, which ones do you, which ones stand out to you the most and which ones would you like more information on? And that's when we dig in deeper with all of those different options. So then that way they can learn about each one that's available. And if it's beyond my scope of knowledge, because I do not claim to know everything, I am very well versed in a lot of things uh, because I am a certified birth doula, postpartum doula, et cetera. But I give them the synopsis of what things are. And if it is beyond my scope, then I refer out to someone that can really give them more, more detailed information. But yeah, I really just first make sure that I talk about the things that are most important to them. And then, like I said, bring to light some of the things that they may not have thought of. But talking about each one and what those options are, the pros and cons, the risks and benefits of everything. So then that way they can kind of read over that and then decide, okay, this one I feel most comfortable with because they know all the details with that. So they, they feel most comfortable with whichever one and I support them with whatever choice they decide. Beautiful. This is amazing. So can we dive into some of these options and what the realities are of each? Um, Maybe starting with like birth options? Yes, I would love that. So when women are like, okay, I'm going to have a baby, what options do I have available to me? And I say, well, first, you have to decide who your care provider is going to be. Do you want a midwife or do you want an OB-GYN? And we talk about the difference between both and talk about why someone would choose an OB-GYN and why someone would choose a midwife and decide kind of which type of care, model of care they feel most comfortable with. Now with that, if they choose a doctor, then they know that they're going to be 
delivering at a hospital. But if they choose a midwife, then I start going into the information of, okay, well, do you want a home birth, a birth center birth, or a hospital birth? And then going into all the details on what a hospital birth with a midwife looks like what a birth is like at a home birth and what a birth is like at a birth center. And again, giving the pros and cons of each one and really helping them kind of decide what they feel most comfortable with. I really usually recommend that they go check out the hospital or the birth center that they are interested in. So then that way it can really help them validate the decision or the path that they're, they're choosing. Once they kind of made that decision, if they say, oh, um, I, I want a midwife but a hospital birth, then we start talking about the options that are available to them then. So there are so many options when it comes to a hospital birth, for sure, because there's monitoring that you have to, you know, uh, do and so are you doing intermittent monitoring or continuous monitoring how does your midwife feel normally a midwife is completely fine with intermittent monitoring which means you know they'll monitor you for 15 minutes um, in an hour and then the rest of the 45 minutes you're off the monitor they just have to get a read of how baby's tolerating labor um, so are you doing continuous or intermittent? If something happens, you're, it, those were external monitors, but if something happens, we talk about internal monitoring and the list goes on. Like, do you want a HEPLOC or an IV? Do you want a, a medicated birth? So are you open to an epidural? So there's also analgesics, there's anesthetics, and then there's um, you know just going under. <laughs> so what kind of birth does that look like? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for me, Labine, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and meal times, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. So analgesics are medicines that you can take um, orally. So that's um, Demerol, Nubane, those kind of things. Um, those are um, orally or through your IV. Um, and then a regional is something that is like a block. So that's spinal or an epidural or general anesthesia is when you're completely under. So really talking about the pros and cons of those, when you want to get those, when you don't. And 
what that looks like and what women have said it feels like and, and that experience, or if they want a unmedicated birth and what that is like and how they can really have the best shot of achieving that. So we talk about all those different things and we talk about movement and lights. Do they want the lights on or off? Do they want music, aromatherapy, hydrotherapy, acupressure? Do they want, I mean, all the different things. There's so many different options when it comes to birth and we really narrow it down to make sure that women understand all of their options that are available to them at their hospital, at the birth center, and at home. Because some hospitals have tubs, some don't. Some have private rooms, some don't. Some have midwives, some don't. So we really look at what's available to them in their area and what they feel most comfortable with because there are so many different options. And like I said, there's no right way to have a baby. It's the way that you feel most comfortable and you feel is best for you and your baby. And helping them make the best decisions for them. So then that way they understand the risks and benefits of every choice that they're making along the way. Awesome. So how do, after you've provided like all these options of of what looks like what for people and they're bringing up these other things like um, the postpartum period and breastfeeding and that sleep stuff, could you give our listeners like three common questions or things that you get about breastfeeding and things to be mindful of kind of going into that breastfeeding journey because we know that it'll look different for everyone, but there are some things that are pretty common. Yeah. The first thing that women usually ask is positioning and latch, which is a very good question because latch is everything when it comes to breastfeeding. Getting a good latch is what makes it more comfortable for you and baby. It helps with your letdown. Um, it's, It's just everything when it comes to breastfeeding. So really getting a good latch and understanding what a good latch looks like is, is key. So, so that is usually one of the first ones. And then understanding the different positions that women can do. So the cradle, the cross cradle, the, um, a football hold, all of those things. So there's, there's, Tons of different, um, I think there's like six different positions, a side lying, um, also leaning back, um, and understanding that when you're doing a different breastfeeding position, you are emptying out different milk ducts. So it's important to change up that breastfeeding position to really empty out the breast as much as possible. So they ask about that. They may ask about tongue tie or lip tie, concerned that maybe their child has that. And that's something that I recommend them talk to an IBCLC, which is an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Those women have gone through 500 hours of clinical um, support for breast or, or press, breastfeeding support for women. So, so they know all things boob and breastfeeding. So they'd be able to really help them um, with that. And another question is, how long should I be feeding my baby? How often should I be feeding my baby? And just as you said, every person is different. Women who have larger breasts are able to hold more milk, but women with smaller breasts, I tell them that you can make just as much milk. You just have to empty them more often because you're obviously not able to hold as much as someone who has larger breasts. So, but it doesn't mean that you can't breastfeed or you're not making enough. It just means you have to feed more often and that's okay. That's something that we have to do. So in the beginning, usually you're feeding your baby every two hours. And what does two hours mean? That means from the start to the start. So it doesn't mean like once you're finished with the feeding, two hours later you feed again. No, no, no. It means that when you start, if you start feeding them at one o'clock, then you're going to feed them again at three o'clock. So if it takes you 30 or 45 minutes, yes, you only have about an hour and 15, an hour and 30 (laughs) minutes before you're feeding your baby again. So it is pretty consistent, but it's important to establish if you're really wanting to achieve your breastfeeding goals, it's important to empty your breasts often because it's a supply demand type of thing. So the more that you are emptying out your breasts, the more that you are telling your body that I need to be making more milk. So it's it's going to grow as your baby grows. So yeah, those are really the big things that people ask is latch, positioning, if their baby maybe has a tongue tie, lip tie, 
and um, yeah, all of, all of those different things that I just covered. <laughs> so for those listening right now who are like, I have a toddler or two other kids, how am I supposed to feed at one and then at three again if yeah. I have like these other kids? How do we, how do we build that in? What- yeah. And that is when help is everything, especially in the beginning when you're establishing your milk supply, because women will try to get their babies to sleep through the night and that's fine and great. However, if you notice your milk supply dropping, you may not be hitting your breastfeeding goal of six months or a year, however long you're hoping to breastfeed your baby. So if you have older children, really it's it's called having help so if your husband can help you at night as well or if you have family members if you have grandma grandpa close by to help during the day to help with toddlers or if there's a mother's day out program or things like that at least it gives you some time to be with your your baby to establish a good breastfeeding relationship with your your little one so so The biggest thing that I tell women is help. We really need to go back to the whole, it takes a village mentality, because it really does. It's impossible for us mothers to clean the house, cook, take care of a new baby, and do all the daytime toddler stuff. It's just impossible because you can't pour from an empty cup. You know, if you are constantly giving and giving and giving, you have to have some time to you know, take care of yourself and take care of your, your little ones. So prioritizing your day, getting a schedule is key. So if your toddlers are on a great schedule, making sure that you can try and get on a good schedule that works with your baby on that schedule. But again, help is really everything. If you have uh, siblings or, or, you know, grandma, grandpa, or your husband to help, that's, that's what you really need the most when you, when you have more than one child. Cue the Voices of Your Village podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's that's a huge part of why I started Seed and Sow. I, I'm a part of so many villages and it, it got to the point where every single day now I could say like, I'm available and I could work. I could work with families because so many people need that help. Um, and I think if we can support families in pregnancy to establish a bit of that village before they go into the postpartum period. That's huge. Absolutely. Um, I agree. I actually recently worked with a family who uh, going into their first babe didn't have a, a huge village support for postpartum and it was really challenging. And then going into this next babe, uh, mom built her village, huge, far, wide, and her postpartum experience has been so beautiful because she isn't stretched too thin. Right. And I think, I think that's great advice. And it's so true, especially for women who maybe families that are expats, they're living in a completely foreign country. They don't know anyone by them. It's, it's all about, you know, finding a good mom group, finding a postpartum doula, a postpartum doula can come in and help you with your child and help with the other kids and help you, take care of you. So really finding that village, even if you don't have family or, or friends that you've known for a while close by, it's, it's making it for yourself. No, I absolutely agree. I, uh, I lived in New York City and now in Boston and surrounded by a lot of people who are in these big cities without their families. Yes, and absolutely. It, it, it's absolutely doable to raise children there, but building that village beforehand can be a game changer. I think it's great yes, us. absolutely. Good. So uh, other things, if you could highlight a couple more things in postpartum life that are typically unexpected, that maybe people aren't asking questions about typically beforehand, and then all of a sudden they're in it and they're like, whoa, this came out of left field. What are some (laughs) things that you wish people knew kind of going into postpartum? Well, when it's postpartum, it's, you have to think about your recovery. So you just pushed out or, you know, had a C-section, you gave birth to a baby and your body is recovering from something major. So having to realize that you are leaking from like every part of your body, (laughs) you know, and, and giving yourself some time to really heal from, from that experience. So, and your, your breasts are now 
you know, filling up with milk and your, your uterus is contracting and getting smaller, trying to get back to its pre-pregnancy size. It's, it's a lot that women need to kind of give themselves some credit and give themselves time to, to heal from that. But when it comes to baby during the postpartum time, it's, it's really not much of a mystery at all. All they do is sleep, eat, poop, and pee, and and want attention to be held and, and that yeah. sort of thing. So when women are like, oh, what should I be thinking about when it, in terms of baby? It's really how are you going to feed your baby and sleep? How are you going <laughs> to prepare for, for sleep? And honestly, women do not think about either of those enough during their pregnancies. They're, they're thinking about, you know, that cute stroller that they want, the baby's nursery, getting it all done and ready before baby arrives and um, their baby shower and maybe their birth plan. And they're thinking about the birth, but they're not thinking about how to best be prepared for breastfeeding or bottle feeding and coming up with a good schedule for that or um, or routine. I hate to say schedule, but a routine for that because you have to be flexible. Things change. <laughs> and and then for sleep as well, just like you said, are you going to, uh, how are you going to sleep with your baby? And I think a lot of people, you said one of your listeners had said, oh, I had never even heard of co-sleeping. I think it's because people don't even think of that as an option because they've been told that it's unsafe or they could quote unquote kill their baby. And I feel like that's so unfortunate because there's a safe way to co-sleep with your, your child. And so we co-slept for the first eight weeks and then he was in a bassinet right next to our, our bed. And then at three months he was in his crib. So that worked great for us, but it's finding what's the best transition for you and and preparing for nap times and all those kind of things and so yeah it's it's understanding all of that and figuring out what works best for your family yeah, I think that that's huge and and just giving yourself that grace to get to know this little babe a little bit and exactly. get acquainted and not feel like you have to quote unquote jump back into it right like, <laughs> oh yeah and we get in America we really put too much pressure on ourselves to be right back at it where we were and, you know, almost as if like we never had a baby. And it's unfortunate. (laughs) We really need to give ourselves some grace during this time because a big thing is, yes, you had a baby, but you're also becoming a mother. And that is something that never existed before. You were never a mother before. You have this child that is 100% dependent on you. Um, and so you have to really grow into the person that you need to become to be the mother for your child. And that also comes with some some growing pains as well. So you're learning a lot about your child, but also about yourself. So it's, it's a time that we need to give ourselves some grace and realize that we're doing our best and learning as, as, as we go through our journey. Absolutely. And on that note, I would love to hear from you some things that uh, maybe changed for you or that you were surprised by in this experience as you went from working with hundreds of, of parents over the years and new babes to becoming a mom yourself. You know, I'll be honest, I I don't feel like my perception of things has changed. I feel like everything that I was telling women before, I, I feel the same way. The only thing that has changed is that my empathy is a lot stronger because now I can say that I've been there. I've done that. So for example, I was actually at a birth on um, April 3rd slash 4th. She had her baby at 1 a.m. on April 4th. And she turned to me and she says, you have no idea how bad this hurts. And I looked at her and I said, yes, I do. (laughs) I have been there. I had an unmedicated birth and I know exactly how those things feel and tricks that can help you overcome those things. Because I told her, it's not like you broke your arm and it's painful and it's just annoying. This is purposeful pain. This is purposeful 
progress that you are opening up and bringing this child into the world. So that's when people would say like, oh my gosh, I had this Charlie horse in the morning and it hurt like hell. Is that what labor is like? <laughs> I say, well, kind of, but not really. Because when I was going through my contractions, I was mindful that every wave was bringing me closer to my baby and that my body was opening up and allowing itself to do what it needed to do to have my son. So, so yeah, to answer your question again, I don't really feel like my answers or my, um, the way that I've uh, been helping women has changed. It's just, I've been able to really empathize with them a lot more because I've now been there. I, I'm, I'm not just doing, you know, as a postpartum doula, my longest shift was like 12 hours, <laughs> you know, overnight from 10 to 10 or whatever time I started. Um, but the, now it's 24 <laughs> seven. There are no breaks, holidays or anything. So, so yeah, I can understand where they're coming from and also their concern for their child and for themselves a little bit more than, than I ever could before. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Well, it's nice that it, your world wasn't rocked. Did your pregnancy and birth go as planned? <laughs> yes and no. So <laughs> yeah, I was very blessed that I didn't have any complications during my pregnancy. So, and I had a feeling that that would be the case because it's not like I don't take care of myself. Um, and I'm a pretty healthy person. I haven't had any medical issues in the past. So I put it out there in the universe that like, yes, I'm going to be healthy and have a healthy pregnancy. And I was very blessed to, to have that experience. Towards the end, really, and I mean towards the very end, once I was 39 weeks on, because I delivered him at 41 weeks, um, at 39 weeks, that's when I started getting a lot of actually pubic pain. He just, my left side, anytime I would move or walk, it was just a sharp pain down my leg at, and at my pubic bone. So, um, having to apply some of the things that I've told my clients, like, okay, go to the chiropractor. I literally saw my chiropractor every other day <laughs> and I went and did all the different stretches and, um, hot and cold therapy and acupuncture and all of those things to really help with that, which actually did help immensely. And I had planned, uh, for a home birth. So I had a midwife and a doula and a midwife student and my husband and my mother, and I also hired a birth photographer and birth videographer. So I had a whole posse there. And um, I, I kept telling myself, like, you're going to have a fast birth. You're going to have a fast birth. And I did all the things that I possibly could to help me have that type of experience. So I took uh, different supplements that my midwife said was safe and okay for me to take and, um, you know, walked and did all the things to try and help me have that kind of experience. And sure enough, I, I did have a fast birth. I started having um, some contractions, I want to say at four in the morning. And then at five in the morning, I let my midwife and team know. So they came over at six and then I started pushing at 9 a.m. And then almost 10. And then the thing is, this is what I did not expect. So I, I was like, yes, I'm going to have a fast birth. And I really believe that your mind is so powerful um, that if you're scared about certain things happening, if you're focusing on the negative, those negative things can come into fruition. So if you remain positive, of course, if you also, you plan for, if anything does happen, you have a plan. And as did I, I made sure that I had everything outlined just, you know, if anything did happen that we were, we were ready and ready to go. But yeah, when I started pushing, he just did not want to come out. He took a long time to come out and I pushed for three hours. Wow. And that was the hardest part of birth. I told people, 
gosh, I could have labored and continued laboring. No problem. I was handling it so well. I just had good coping techniques because I had been teaching women for years coping techniques. So I just applied them to myself and made sure that I was comfortable as possible. And I did really well with opening up and letting go and, and dilating. And But when it comes to pushing, no one can really teach you how to push a baby out. No one can really coach you through it. I mean, they can. Like, And I've coached many women through pushing. Like it's all through your bottom, bearing down, holding your breath, push, 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 open you know, your legs get into a good squat position, or um, if you're on your back, really um, pull your legs out with your arms, uh, roll around, you know, curl around that baby, push with your bottom, that sort of thing. But even though I told myself all of those things while I was pushing my kid out, no, he was asynclitic and was not moving. And it was really difficult to try and get him um, to move into a better position. So towards the end of my pushing his heart rate started going down. So that's when my midwife said, Hey, Nina, we just don't want to mess around with this. We're going to call an ambulance and we're going to have to go to the hospital. I was devastated and I just kept pushing. And my husband looked at me and was like, Nina, he is right there. I can see the top of his head, like just push harder. And I looked at him and I was like, I am pushing. Um, and I just continued pushing with all of my might. And as the EMS people were coming up the stairs to our bedroom, he was born. So it was a wonderful experience. So yes, it was what I envisioned because he was born at 1250. I mean, I started, I only had, I had a really short labor for a first time mom. So I was really pleased with that. But the pushing part, I apparently suck at. And they said, no, you don't suck at it. It's because he was, you know, in the wrong position. If he had just been in the right position, you would have probably gotten him out in like 15 minutes. So yeah. And there's nothing that you can really do about that. That's really up to baby. So well, yeah. go you. <laughs> Thanks. So, did, it, did it go according to plan? Yes, it was what I envisioned, but no, there's always, you know, something that's thrown in there that catches you off guard. <laughs> it's so frustrating to spend the money and effort to buy your kids clothes just to have them grow out of the size within a week or have your kids complain that they itch, pinch, or just aren't comfortable. If you're with me on this, you've got to check out Posh Peanut. Their sensitive skin-friendly clothes are made from viscose from bamboo, stretch with your kid as they grow, and they're also made to last. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, super cute clothing for kids and families. It is the softest thing, y'all. The design is all done in-house with different patterns, and it came in the mail, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to wear this for myself every day. Their Lux women's pajamas and robes were all that I wanted to wear postpartum for nursing and hanging out on the couch with Mila. It helps so much that the fabric is breathable and chemical-free, which means they're delicate against Mila's sensitive skin too. And I totally get why Posh Peanut is loved by over 1 million parents. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. Go to poshpeanut.com village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com village, promo code VILLAGE. Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormone changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put your life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all these things. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like yourself again. 
That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code VILLAGE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code VILLAGE for 15% off today. I mean, you touched on this earlier with like the idea of schedule versus routine, but I think just in general, general with parenting, like being flexible, right? But like, absolutely. Yeah. Because you think that it's going to be one way and it more than likely isn't. So just being flexible with your plan. Like, like I said, I knew I wanted a home birth. I've been to many, I've mainly gone to hospital births, like 98% of my clients, um, have hospital births. Um, but I have been to home births and birth center births and talking about it with my husband, I knew the best choice for me and the one that I would feel most comfortable with to achieve the birth that I wanted. I, I wanted a home birth. So, um, so yeah, you, but I knew that I had to be flexible with those things that I knew, I knew that I could potentially be transferred to a hospital and I had to be okay with that. And so, yeah, as long as you know what can happen and what your plan is, if something does happen, so you're always safe, you know, that's, that's all you can do. Absolutely. Well, my, my husband actually makes fun of me because he says most people have a plan A and a plan B and I have a plan C, D, E, F, G. (laughs) (laughs) I am flexible for things not going my plan A, but I would like (laughs) them to fall into A through H. Yeah, preferably. That'd be, that'd be nice. (laughs) Did you know that I was born on Mother's Day? That's right. And so this year I'm doing an amazing giveaway for you guys. I'm giving away my dream sleep package. It's a $350 value. It's a one hour phone consultation. It can happen with anyone, anywhere in the world. And it includes two weeks of email follow-up as well as access to our private Facebook group with everyone else that I've consulted with so we can continue to support each other on this journey. You can enter this giveaway by going over to Instagram and checking out my post from yesterday. My Instagram handle is at seed, S-E-E-D dot and dot so, S-E-W. Hop on over and enter that giveaway. You can win it for yourself or you could win it as a gift. What better gift for Mother's Day than the gift of sleep? Am I right, ladies? So what are, I know we highlighted that like, a lot of folks focus on products and that the experience and um, just the process is something that is, is not as highlighted, but let's dive into some products real quick. Of course. Absolutely. Uh, what are like five pregnancy, I, don't know, I made that number up, three to five pregnancy postpartum and birth products that you would say you need to have your hands on these and these need to be on your registry? Absolutely. So prenatally, the number one thing, you need to have a good prenatal vitamin. That is something that's really, really important. So having a good prenatal vitamin and talking to your doctor or midwife and uh, finding a good one for you, because there are some that aren't that great. So finding a good prenatal vitamin for you is important. Drinking lots of water. Now, people will say, oh, my amniotic uh, fluid is low. Well, you can increase your amniotic fluid that's protecting your baby inside your womb by drinking more water. So women who are pregnant are supposed to be drinking a gallon of water a day. I will tell you, I could not do that. I tried my best, but I still drank a lot of water. So having a good water bottle with you is important. So just... Having a cute one, for some reason, if it has a straw and it's cute, you just feel more motivated to drink water. So find a cute water bottle that makes you want to drink more water. So that's super important. And just real quick, just to throw that out there, a gallon of water is 128 ounces. Yes. Like that... From like your your pint glass to like of sixteen ounces to a hundred and twenty eight like that's it's no joke exactly being like, oh, I had a few water bottles today, like I'm probably good, like you gotta you gotta up that exactly exactly so and and water is just so important um for growing your baby, creating a healthy atmosphere for baby, so yeah, find a cute water bottle that that you'll enjoy, so another thing 
uh, pregnancy leggings, girl, having some cute leggings that you feel comfortable in because your pants are not going to be fitting. So having some maternity jeans are great, but leggings are awesome because they fit you no matter what part of your pregnancy you're in or how big or little you are. And they're great for postpartum. So find some good leggings that you can rock and they're great for all seasons. So finding some good leggings is definitely something that I highly recommend. Did you have uh, a favorite brand? Oh gosh. Yes, I do. Blanqui has a really good legging. Also it's Ingrid and Isabel is the one I'm pretty positive that I wore all the time. Those were awesome. You can even find those at Target um, and they're pr pretty inexpensive and, and amazing. So, so yeah, I recommend a good leggings. Also comfortable dresses, whether they're, you know, uh, fitted and show off your bump or flowy. I think that uh, some good dresses are, are awesome to have in uh, you know, your maternity closet. Some comfortable shoes is really good. So, cause I mean, I wore heels, I wore all the shoes, but I, I stopped wearing heels after a certain point because your feet can start swelling if you're wearing uncomfortable shoes for too long or on your feet for too long. So finding some comfortable shoes that give you good arch support, all of that um, is is important. And then a good belly butter. Um, so uh, belly butters or balms that I recommend are Burt's Bees and also Mama Mio has a really great belly butter. Or you can make your own with coconut oil and like different essential oils. So you can use like frankincense and lavender and all that kind of stuff and make your own. So yeah, those are the things that I highly recommend women get and use during their pregnancy. Awesome. That's amazing. Awesome. Let's dive now, into birth. birth. You said birth. Okay. So what are the things that can really help during birth? So something that I recommend is... Well, also, it kind of depends on what kind of birth you want. So for me, I wanted an unmedicated birth, so I didn't really need too much. I needed like a cute bralette so then I could, you know, have my photographer take pictures of me and wear something a little cute. So I had like a cute bralette or, you know, you can wear a cute or comfortable nursing bra uh, when you're in labor. So as soon as baby's born, you can immediately have the goods ready for baby to eat. So that, um, also it's very normal for women to feel nauseous and throw up during labor. So an essential oil that I highly recommend that helps with nausea is peppermint oil. I bring peppermint oil with me to every single birth and women love it because one, it's a refreshing smell and two, it really helps them curb that feeling of nausea. So peppermint oil is definitely something that I recommend. Also a heating pad or hot packs that you can throw in the microwave or yeah, a heating pad you can heat up to put on your lower back or if you're sitting on a birth ball, which you should have a birth ball, um, sitting on that, if you put your heating pad and then like a thin towel and then sit on that, that heat on your perineum, oh, it just really relaxes everything and opens up. It's awesome during labor. So that I recommend drinking lots of water. So having that cute water bottle with you in labor as well. And some cold washcloths uh, is really good too, because you are you are working, girl. When you're in labor, it is hard work. So having some cold washcloths maybe that you put in the freezer or if you're at the hospital, get some really cold water on there and to be able to apply that on your forehead, around your neck, things like that, it's, it's just really, really helpful um, during birth. And people who maybe are scheduling um, their, their birth or, and, or know that they want to have a uh, epidural, maybe they want to have a cute... Um, labor and delivery gowns, some cute non-skid socks, um, things like that. That's what I recommend. But also, um, uh, if you're uh, working hard during labor um, and not having a pain medication, I recommend having some Gatorade if your hospital will allow it because you need some good electrolytes or coconut water. Those good electrolytes will really help. So we just dove into birth and now... Let's tackle some postpartum products that you're like, you cannot live without this. Yes. Okay. So you cannot live without comfortable pajamas. 
you need to have some comfortable pajamas that either button down in the front so you can have uh, easy access for breastfeeding if you're planning on breastfeeding, of course. And you need to have good nursing bra and good nursing tanks. So some brands that I recommend for nursing bras and nursing tanks um, are Bravado and Kindred Bravely. They have some awesome options. So does Bamboobies. Bamboobies has, well, one, great um, nursing pads, but they also have this great bra and tank as well. So those are three companies that I recommend. And yeah, finding some comfortable pajamas, you can get those at, gosh, anywhere, Target, wherever. It doesn't have to be um, pregnancy or postpartum specific. Just something that's stretchy and loose and soft and comfortable that you can wear, a good robe, like that. So if you are in and out of the shower or if you're having guests and you just don't want to pull it all together, you know, a good robe is, is perfect for all of that. Also, um, padsicles. Oh my gosh. Women need to be making themselves some padsicles after they give birth to really help with that postpartum recovery after. So yeah, they need to have either some good postpartum underwear or some depends. The silhouette depends and make some padsicles with witch hazel, lavender, aloe vera, freeze them in the freezer, and then use that after birth because that can really help with the recovery down there. And a lot of women don't, they just think about maybe like stitches or obviously just any type of vaginal trauma, but they don't think about maybe hemorrhoids that they get. And oh my God, hemorrhoids after pushing a baby out can be terrible. So having some Happy Mama bottom spray or bottom balm, things like that to really heal with that or dermaplast, anything that can just make things better with that recovery down there. A peri bottle with some warm water to clean everything off. Those are things that women need to have on their checklist when they're preparing for postpartum. Love it. Actually, I'm going to give Earth Mama Organics a shout out here with their like new mama bottom spray. I think it's actually has a new name now because they Yes, it. I'm sure it has a new name. And yes, Earth Mama bottom spray is what I used and their bottom balm. It was everything. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It was everything. I love that. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, and uh, you actually shared the Hatch um, sound machine in OK to Wake Clock. And yeah. I didn't know that Hatch made like a combo one that's now one of my most recommended. So sleep consulting. So I obviously recommend sound machines on the regular. But I love that Hatch one now because it can grow with you to the OK oh. to Wake Clock. That's what we have, and we love it. It is awesome, and we just have it on. Um, it's perfect for a, a nightlight, so I can actually see where I'm going. <laughs> but it has the sound, uh, you know, the white noise, and it's just been it's been awesome. I highly recommend it. And yeah, so that and so for postpartum products for babies. So yes, a good sound machine, a good swaddle. I love the Docatot. That's what we use, and it's been great for us. Um, a nose Frida, and then obviously diapers and wipes and onesies. It's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, awesome. Wow, you just threw so much information at us. There are so many takeaways here. <laughs> Good, I hope. <laughs> you're, you're fantastic. So if people wanted to connect with you or follow along your journey, you have an amazing blog. Um, that I'd love to share with folks. Where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can visit our site, which is www.baby-chick.com. Or you can follow us on Facebook. I believe our Facebook tag is at Team Baby Chick. And then on Pinterest and Twitter and Instagram, all of those are at The Baby Chick. So yeah, you can follow along our stories and find hopefully some more helpful information that's really geared towards pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Nina, for joining us today. This has been so helpful and you're just so full of all this knowledge. I mean, you said what, 500, over 500 families you've supported? Yes, I have. It's been pretty, pretty awesome. So yeah, I, I feel so blessed with every single one of them. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. If this podcast has helped you on your journey, please take two minutes to leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for joining forces with us to cultivate this modern parenting village.
I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.